Welcome to the Sip and Savor podcast, where I spotlight Houston's best food, fine restaurants, and top culinary names. I'm your host, Mega McSwain. What would you say if I told you there was a restaurant that served Mexican street corn soup, soft shell crab pad thai, jerk chicken with plantain relish, Argentinian style skirt steak, and Caribbean braised oxtails? You would probably wonder, how could one restaurant offer such a diverse menu of dishes? And if they in fact do, do any of them taste good? It's a fair question. And it was the concern Matthew Mitchell had before opening his Montrose restaurant, Traveler's Table. As a seasoned traveler, Matthew's vision was to create a destination in the city which offered curated global cuisine. And the menu would be inspired by his own experiences dining in different countries around the world. Along with his executive chef, Stanton Bundy, Matthew welcomes guests to journey through the menu, which is grouped in categories like the Far East and India, Africa and the Mediterranean, and Latin America. Traveler's Table opened in 2019 at a prime location in Montrose, just a stone's throw from hotspots like Uchi and Haymerchant. Its unique light-filled space, made cozy with trees and lush greens, offers a wonderful atmosphere for dinner, and the restaurant has increased in popularity with the addition of a lively weekend brunch. Today, I'm going to sit down with Matthew and discuss his vision behind creating such a large, interesting menu, the challenges of opening during a pandemic, and his plans for Traveler's Table in the future. I'm with Matthew Mitchell at Traveler's Table. Hi, Matthew. Hey, Mega. How are you today? Good. Thanks so much for having me. This is such a gorgeous space. Yeah, it was uh, fortunate we actually found a uh, space that had already been part of uh, a previous restaurant and uh, sort of had to make it our own. So we had to introduce a lot of global element, elements, which, of course, plays to our concept. It's like an oasis in the middle of Montrose, just a little the green and the, it's like, what is this, like a court, indoor courtyard? Right, yeah, so we have an indoor and an outdoor uh, courtyard. Um, the covered courtyard, uh, both of them were really a blessing during COVID because obviously a lot of people were wanting to eat outside. Um, the interior courtyard, like you said, it, we like to think of as our little tropical oasis with lots yes, of it really is. Uh, palms and different uh, greenery to sort of accentuate that. There really is not a restaurant that looks like this. I mean, I eat out all the time. I see all these restaurants, and this is a very unusual space. I mean, that was obviously by design. We wanted to almost feel like a restaurant you'd see in a foreign capital, uh, maybe in you know Buenos Aires or you know Paris or London or something. So we definitely wanted to feel like you were traveling when you came here. Hence the name, hence Travelers. The, hence the name. Uh, you know, the whole name comes from the idea of traveling abroad and bringing dishes back. Um, to try, you know, here among our friends in Houston. So. Yeah, so that was that was my question. Is what was your was that your vision originally? Because this is a one and only. There's, it's only in Houston. This restaurant. Yeah. It was an original concept. Yeah. So, are you a big world traveler? I, I am. I, I was a writer for quite a while. I went to school in Europe. Uh, most of my education was uh, at Oxford, and I studied in Paris and uh, Italy after that. Oh wow! Really got to travel the world quite extensively and. I like to say, even when I didn't speak the language, I spoke the food and drink. Yes, um, the best so language. So I, I think even back then, um, I had this idea of kind of connecting food and travel somehow. 
And um, you know, our theme, if you will, is to explore the world through food and drink. And there really wasn't a place where I had seen where they were able to bring food from different cultures all in one place. Challenge, of course, is to get it right and yes. not seem like you're some hodgepodge of watered-down cuisine from all over the world. Right. And so, you know, that obviously took me, you know, going to culinary school and me having uh, very talented chefs, uh, you know, bringing bringing them into the project to kind of get it right because the challenge was kind of the opportunity. If we got it right, we felt like it would be really unique. If we didn't get it right, it would feel like Epcot. <laughs> right. I was going to say, you know, those places that you see kind of every cuisine on the menu and right. you're like, wait a second. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but that's not the case here. You guys have been open now how many years? Uh, we opened October 2019, okay. so a little over two years. Now. What a time to uh, open. Uh, it was, uh, you know, four months before the pandemic, <laughs> before the world fell apart. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes I won't say I, I would like to do it again that way, but sometimes, uh, you know, the world forces you to adapt and you're better for it. I, sure. I keep trying to tell myself I'm, I'm very much a gla- glass half full kind of guy that, you know, the companies throughout history that were founded in times of difficulty were the ones that learned to run lean and learn how to adapt and those are the ones who survived these major life, you know, changing events. Um, Hilton and GE and all these that were founded during the Great Depression have endured. And the ones that get founded when times are great, you know, they, they can't really adapt as well. So No, I completely agree with you. I feel like everyone who went through this, they've, it's just they're thriving now because of how much they've evolved and kind of gone through it and right. pivoted. And, right, um, Yeah, I mean, you know, the first, the full shutdown we had last year uh, we actually took that opportunity to launch our brunch menu which was has been well, really well received this is a great brunch destination by the way you know how some restaurants just right. great vibe for dinner and then yeah. you're like, i don't want to go there for brunch but this is because it's daytime right now and it's just so beautiful in here i could just like imagine just brunch and yeah. that vibe i mean i think every in neighborhood to some degree has its own advantages and disadvantages sure. montrose has always been houston's kind of arts and entertainment mm-hmm. and maybe culinary uh, hot spot and so certainly uh dinners throughout the week and on the weekend and then obviously weekend brunch has been great for us and brunch is kind of new-ish uh march uh yeah so yeah it's it's been going for a while, uh, and and we're, we're kind of sold out most Saturdays and oh, Sundays, wow. or at least you need a reservation in most. Oh, so days. you do it both Saturday and Sunday. And That's we're about good to, to know. La- and we're about to launch a Friday brunch. Oh, so I love that. See how, I mean, I think people have gotten untraditional in their office hours, yes. so we're going to start seeing if, how much we can extend the weekend. You know, I'm going to tell you something. If you put out brunch on a Saturday or Friday, people are going to come. I mean, yeah. we're always like looking for brunch. You know, I think that that thing where Sunday brunch is just kind of a thing of the past yeah you know i mean i think anything to day drink any right. reason to day drink that's right? right i mean one of our our pivotal beliefs here is that you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning so <laughs> we might as well get started that uh, is even true. on a friday yes no i agree i love that friday so the menu here uh of course we know that it covers a lot of cuisine you know it's global inspired but does it change or how, what's what's your stance on that does it kind of stay the same yeah so it was always meant to evolve okay uh, and it, the menu uh, as you see in front of you it's, it's a leather bound it kind of looks like a travel guide or a travel journal yeah it looks which, like a travel journal which was very a, cool. intentional um so the entrees are actually even divided into the parts of the world okay. so it's the far east and indian and um, middle east and mediterranean and then uh the u.s and latin america so um you know we do try to keep each group sort of even uh and so we are very intentional about the dishes we put on and take off uh but for most cases we do 
Uh, we have been sort of changing it every three or four months. We okay. just put seven dishes on uh, last month, uh, and we're really kind of super... based on probably what people like, what they're asking yeah, for. Yeah, some of it has to do with you know we aren't in love. Like we want to just love everything on yeah. the menu, and some dishes you love the idea, but. You, it never wows you the way you wished it wowed you. Sure. Um, I mean, I, we don't think that there's anything that we don't like on the menu, but we want to love everything. And what about your cocktail program? Is it pretty classic, or do you also try to sort of tweak it to really go well with these kinds of dishes? Yeah. So there's very, very much synergy to the cocktail and, and food program. And, and and what I mean by that is, for the most part, our premise is to take traditional recipes from around the world and then modernize them, or in some cases, elevate them. So a lot of cases, it's lighter, brighter, better plated, maybe a better protein. So for the, for the cocktails, similarly, we'll take traditional cocktails, like a mule. So we do an Indian version of it. So it's an Indian spiced mango mule. So it's got garam masala, oh, simple nice. syrup, mango, nectar, um, which obviously is a, a bit different than the traditional uh, sort of Moscow mule. Yeah. Um, Similarly, we do an old-fashioned flight, which I think we're going to talk about here in a minute, where we do th- three different types of old fashions. Um, so, for the most part, we do t- all of our cocktails do have a, a basis in a traditional cocktail, but then we always ask ourselves, what's the traveler's table version? Cool. And I want to talk since we're on t- um, cocktails and we were talking about brunch earlier. Your cocktail program during brunch is very cool. I, I was looking at it. You do regular brunch cocktails, like pretty classic ones, right. you know, like a Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. But you also offer your cocktails in, um, you could do a flight, like mm-hmm. we, we're going to try the old-fashioned yeah. flight. But you also do them if, like a shot. Yeah. So if you want to just shoot it down. Yeah, so in a lot of cases, we, I, like when I go out, I always think, like, what would I want in that, you know. So part of getting to create a restaurant is you get to create the restaurant you would want to dine right? At, right? <laughs> and so there's a lot of times I, I don't want to commit to it or I see multiple things I want. And I want to try them all, but I don't want to commit to just one of the three or four I'm struggling sure. between. So, you know, having the flights kind of gives you gives you an opportunity to try all three different mimosas at once, or all three different Bloody Marys at once, or all three of our what we call our brunch shots, uh, which are all sort of coffee dessert type of uh, yeah. cocktails. So, yeah, well, we like we like to give our guests the opportunity to try. I mean, a big part of our menu is to. We want them to explore as much as they can. Yeah, there's a lot to explore so here. There's so there's lots of think, sampling and yeah. sharing, and we kind of encourage that. Well, love that. So speaking of sampling, we're going to sample some stuff okay. today. So we're going to do, we're going to try one of your entrees right. and uh, a dessert, and then we're going to pair this with the, the old-fashioned flight. Correct. Which, by the way, is also gorgeous. Uh, you've got those big um, s- uh, circular cubes, which I love. Um, so tell me about this entree. What is it yeah. called? So it's called Brazilian shrimp moqueca. So moqueca is a fisherman stew from Brazil. This one kind of jumped out as something I wanted to include because my wife and I had taken a trip to Brazil back when we were dating. Uh, and we drove to a, a colonial town about eight hours from Rio uh, called Paraty. And we were starving and found this little place near the beach that was serving this. And we actually have pictures of it. So it's pretty cool. I mean, obviously, I didn't even think I was going to be opening a restaurant 10 years later. Uh, but <laughs> well, we it have... must be special if you remember this right, dish right, from a decade right. ago. So, uh, so you know, and, and I think part of the restaurant idea is that, you know, so much of people's travel experiences, or at least certainly for my wife and me, is that when we go traveling, I think we're probably intent on where we're eating and yeah. what we want to try. Even maybe more than like what cathedral we're going to see or what site we're <laughs> well, going to Well, I know I'm like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know yeah, about everybody yeah, else, but for sure. The meal may be more important than, than all yes, the sites. Yes, food rules all. Yeah. So, yes, uh, go ahead and dig in. Uh, it's a 
So again, a, a Brazilian shrimp stew. Uh, traditionally, it's more of a fish stew or fish and shrimp, but we already have several fish dishes on the menu and we didn't have one that was just shrimp. So we really wanted to go that route. Uh, it's gonna be a coconut, coconut milk and a natto oil base uh, and then shellfish stock. Um, I, I really love it. It's got that nice bright reddish orange color from it's the gorgeous. natto oil. Yeah, it's gorgeous yeah. on the plate. And I have to say, I did ask you when you brought this out if this was for one people or for one person or for two because it's a it's a good size. Yeah. Well, I mean, Texans like to eat, and, you know, and and we uh, certainly want to. People feel like they're leaving travelers table well fed. So. Yes, for sure. Okay, let's give this a try. I'm so excited. All right. Oh, wow. That is a lot of flavor all at once. Yeah. It's a lot creamier um, and thicker than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, um, it's got some of the flavors of maybe like a French bouillabaisse. Except yes. Except the coconut milk. And you obviously, from the part of the world you're from, you know, coconut milk adds so much body and texture. Yes. And I got that Indi- sort of Indian flavor. Right. Those, it must be some spices. Right. Um, but, yeah, that is delicious. Yeah. Well, and I love that you've got this bread on the side, this wonderful toasty bread, because... This is a dish that you want to like scrape every last drop. Yes, of the I mean there's rice in the dish. If you want to go that route, if you want to kind of get the sauce up with the bread, um, the ciabatta at the end, then certainly that's uh, part of it too. Hi. So, do you? We've got this old-fashioned flight. Do you think that this is a good combo with this uh, dish? I mean, I'm not the most matchy match with the things. I, <laughs> I just drink what I want to drink and I eat what I want to yes, eat. I mean, that's... I break a lot of the rules when I dine. Sure. Uh, you know, if I want white wine one night, even if I'm eating red meat, I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I just believe food should be fun and you should do what you want. So, Hard agree there. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, so let's give one of these babies a try. Uh, okay. So let me walk you through it. Um, so again, these are all based off of a traditional old fashioned. Uh, so probably our most traditional is going to be the fallen saint. And so that's going to be basically an Irish old-fashioned. So we're using Irish whiskey, Powers Irish whiskey, a Guinness simple syrup, and whiskey barrel bitters. To me, I get a lot of cinnamon note in it. I think that's from the whiskey barrel bitters. Um, So we might start there just because it's going to be the closest to a traditional old-fashioned. Okay. Then the middle one here is going to be our Shogun, and that's the first cocktail I created for the menu. Um, a A lot of menu creation here is just what's the tra- where's something come from and what's the traveler's table version of it sure. so uh japanese whiskey plum wine and ginger simple syrup and then to wait, me wait yes. real just to interrupt is that a garnish is that a piece it's of, a ginger? Slice of ginger okay nice yeah. so it Love gives that. a little bit of extra spiciness and then the the last pirate standing is probably my favorite just because it's the farthest afield of the of the mix uh so it's actually aged rum we have a tamarind simple syrup Allspice, uh, and then Velvet Falernum, which is a uh, Caribbean liqueur. Wow. Uh, and a little lime uh, garnish. So. Yeah, you know, these are all three different colors. Clearly, they're different flavors. Yep. And so that really makes for a nice flight. Yeah, it's cool because it actually adds up to one and a half of a normal one. Okay. So, you know, if you, if you can't sell on one of our old fashions, I, I actually really like to recommend this just because you can try a little bit. And then, hey, if you're still down for another one, then by all means, order the one that you like the best. Yeah, no, that's So give awesome. it a shot. Okay, yeah. let's give these a try. So you're starting with the Fallen Saint there. Okay, so that does taste like a traditional old fashioned, yeah. but I can tell it's a little slightly yeah. different, yeah. Um, but it's very smooth. Yeah. Very smooth. I love that Did one. Did you get cinnamon notes there? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. No, it's definitely yeah. not terribly sweet, but it's on the right. sweeter side. I definitely get that. So this one's going to be the Shogun, the Japanese version. Okay. I love ginger, so I already okay. love this one, okay. but let's give it a try. 
Okay, that is my jam. That's your jam. Yeah, okay. that, that one's my jam. I love it. Okay. It's so subtle, that yeah. flavor, but um, you can taste the ginger. Yeah. And it's just subtly sweet. Right. And then this Lovely. one's going to be the last part, standing, which is kind of our Jamaican old-fashioned. Okay, I have to say I smell it, and it just smells yeah. divine. It's so fragrant. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's getting pretty far afield. That there's, is. That's very different than a There's a little off the, off the menu secret. We actually have a fourth old-fashioned that's on the menu, which if you beg your server, ask your <laughs> server, you could actually substitute one of these. We have a Oaxacan, so a Mexican okay. old-fashioned, that's pretty spicy. It's um, it's mezcal, ancho reyes, uh, chili liqueur, uh, and it has a, a habanero uh Garnish, so, it, so it, it gets a little spicier. So that's a really smoky, spicy one. We kind of like these three better is the flight, but there's some people like, oh, I don't like rum or yeah. I don't like this or that. So we actually have a fourth one that we can do as a as if we yeah. want to do a substitute. Well, I will say these do complement each other. They're not so far off from right. from each other, but um, they're each very different. Yeah, you can yeah. definitely tell. So I think you know that I like the idea of sort of doing a sampler and then picking which one you like. To yeah, so you next. know what to order for next that's time. Right. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's so awesome. So do you want to move on to dessert? Yes. All so right. I know I've been eyeing this. Okay. This so this is a Japanese sakura. It's a, sakura means a cherry blossom. It's a big part of Japanese uh, culture. Uh, they even have a festival in Kyoto and, and Tokyo uh, every March, April when uh, cherry blossom season occurs. So it's flavored with uh, the sakura powder. Um, then we have cherries on top and, and then a macerated cherry uh, sauce. And then it's got... A Japanese vanilla custard. It's going to taste a little bit like creme brulee, creme brulee, I imagine, on the bottom to kind of add it a little bit of extra creaminess. So if you don't mind, I'm going to do the, yep. the pour over for you. Beautiful. I love dessert and a little show. And yes, a little action dessert for you. Yes. So yeah, this is, I have to say, this is just a gorgeous color. It's like this beautiful blush right. and then the cherries on top. And are those edible flowers? Everything's edible. Oh, we like to say most of our flowers are edible. We don't know which ones aren't. But <laughs> let's see what be, happens. We'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're all edible, of course. Oh my gosh, delicious. Okay, let's see. Oh my God. It's warm and it's like a cloud. <laughs> so Japanese cheesecakes are, they're more of a souffle style. In yeah. fact, a lot of times people call them jiggly cheesecake mm -hmm. or souffle cheesecake because they, they, whip, uh, they whip the ingredients more. Um, so it's just a lot. I think cheesecake can throw people off because everybody thinks New York cheesecake. Right. Like the, the dense, cold. Uh, so yeah, yeah, this, this is, is different. warm. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a cr cross between cheesecake and a souffle or cheesecake and pound it cake. It is like an exact perfect balance of a cheesecake and a souffle. Yeah. It, well, that's, that's the intention. So. Oh, and you know what? It's not like... Um, I just, can't, I don't know if you can tell, but I keep bringing up sweetness. Yeah. I can't stand a lot of sweetness. Okay. It has to be balanced. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't, yeah. you don't want more. Right. But this is so subtle in its sweetness. It doesn't have that syrupy yeah. aftertaste yeah. that you can keep on eating it. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, Asian desserts tend to be a little less sweet than right. American desserts. I think, you know, America obviously has a diabetes problem <laughs> as far as maybe the consequence of that. Um, so we, we intentionally didn't want to make it overpoweringly sweet. So. But as gorgeous as this was, especially with the drizzle and everything, Everything. Um, I thought it was going to be a lot more, just you know, but sure. it's, it's really nicely balanced. Glad you liked it. Yeah. Gorgeous, I love sure. it. So um, we were talking about this being the only concept right. right now in Houston. It was an original concept of yours. Do you think that there will be more in the future? So we definitely have our eyes on a second location already. Oh, wow. um, we also have a possibly another concept as well that's 
kind of an offshoot of this concept. So there are big things coming from Traveler's Table here in the near future. Well, you know, I, I do feel like I've I've dined here a couple of times yeah. and then I've taken food to go right. when you know during the shutdown. But um, I will say everything I've tried, I do feel like you guys are getting it right, right. on all. The, I know yeah. that can be tough, yeah. um, but I'm I'm a fan. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, part of uh, the, the current landscape of restaurants and just hospitality in general is you're going to hear immediate feedback, whether it be Yelp right, or Google. That's true. Or, so if you don't get things right, you're going to just get killed. Especially and, if it's bad, yeah. yeah and so, sure. you know, there's good and bad to that. I mean, the, the good thing about the hospitality industry is you every night get immediate feedback from your guests. You know, mm-hmm. most industries, you don't get that. You don't know if something's working or not working. So you, we, we have our finger pretty closely on the pulse with that. Um, you know, we've actually had a lot of kind of starting to get a fair amount of recognition. Guy Fieri was here for oh, Dining wow. Giant Drive-Ins and Dives. Um, we're about to do a big collaboration with a restaurant in Savannah, Georgia called The Gray that was on um, Chef's Table Chef's on table, that right. Netflix. So you know, we have some really cool things, kind of positive momentum. I mean, it's, um, you know, we just are hoping everyone in the industry kind of has a return to form. It's yes. been a rough, rough year and a half for everybody. So, Well, clearly you've been doing some major R&D during that time, yeah. and I think that um, it, it shows here. These Everything I tried today was awesome. I love that stew, and I'm going to go in uh, for it now. So <laughs> okay. thank you so much for uh, joining me on Sip and Savor. My pleasure. Um, good Anytime, luck Megan. to you. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. I have been to a lot of beautiful restaurants in Houston and Traveler's Table is truly one of a kind. It's really such a beautiful build out and the food is just as stunning. Lots of colors, exotic ingredients, fragrant spices. It is definitely a foodie destination which ignites your senses. Thank you so much for listening to Sip and Savor today. If you want to follow news and updates on Traveler's Table, Follow at Traveler's Table Restaurant on Instagram. You will be amazed by how gorgeous their food is. If you want to connect with me on social media and follow along on my Houston dining adventures, you can follow me at Hot Pink Houston on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And follow at Sip and Savor Podcast. I will be posting photos from Traveler's Table so you can see everything we tried today. If you love this podcast and want to hear more, please do subscribe and look out for new episodes every Wednesday on the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network. Until next time, sip and savor well. Well.